Poetic Properties is a complex creation brought to you by Infinitely Complex Production and sponsorship with Peacefully Flawed Apparel, where we believe that no matter the darkness, you have the opportunity and ability to get to the light. Yo, thank you for tuning in to Poetic Property Podcast. I am your host, Complex the Poet, Father, Author, and Entrepreneur. This week was the first week in a while that I was able to just breathe. Like, no new traumas, no new, tr- like, uh, the amount of triggers was reduced. Like, I just was making sure that I kept myself away from everything possible. Like, immediately when I saw that it was something that would, would possibly affect me, delete, blood, peace, get up out of here. Um... I got a chance this week to kind of just be in defense mode um, inwardly, not towards people, but inwardly, uh, meaning that just reconciling or attempting to to reconcile past hurt, past trauma, um, taking the time to identify triggers of the situations that are on my plate right now. Also, just trying to uh, stay focused on. Right now, you know, the things that try to attack me as well and just trying to make sure that I don't uh, mix the two. Right. I, I try not to mix my professional traumas and triggers with my with my personal, because um, if you if you mix them or while they're mixed, you you don't really know what's going on and you're responding to things in a way that could be chaotic and could create issues on your end because you're mixing the two. So this week I got a chance to kind of you know, pull those things back apart so that I'm not responding because the past few weeks I've been in that mode of kind of responding to both professional and business the same way. And you you can't you can't do that. Right. Um, You just can't. Well, for me, I just feel like you can't mix the two. Like it has to be a way for you to be able to properly deal with the emotions of that thing without attaching or bringing into uh, the conversation the trauma from the other thing that has nothing to do with it. It's just everything hitting at, at once. And so um, I realized that, and it's not that I realize it, it's just every day I'm reminded that healing is not easy. It, it's like healing is one of the hardest things I think that we can go through as human beings. And it's constant. We're constantly healing from something, but with dedication to yourself, you will be able to find the strength to make the new step, right? Because once you experience trauma to a certain effect, like like that's what it is, like it happened. Once you experience these things uh, constantly, your mind is going to start to register like, oh, like like that happened, period. It, like no one can change that aspect or that thing in my life. It happened, right? And you have to... The faster you get to accepting that it happened, the easier it is going to be for you to gain strength because now it's like, all right, I know it happened. I'm here. What do I like? How do I give myself strength from feeling like this? And you're going to fight your way to get through that thing so that you can feel better. And that's going to give you enough strength to make the new step. So the new step is not necessarily getting over something, but possibly getting through it um, with enough strength to to handle it if it reappears in your life. This week for me, uh, uh, 
separating my business and personal traumas and experiences and hurts and successes, um, it was it was difficult. It was difficult because it's like, how do I rationalize if if I'm if I'm having these traumas and triggers from both sides? How do I rationalize what to pull out, what to keep in, or what have you? For me, it's easier for me to dissect what's what if I could keep it separate. Or if I could, you know, once I see that, all right, it's merging because I'm going off on you about this and I do feel like this about it, but you get in the extras because what's going on over here that I don't know how to control or even vice versa. Like I could be like I tell you guys all the time when I'm when the kids do stuff that warrant a disciplinary response from me, I got to I can't give the first two things because the first two things are always irrational. They're always irrational. Like, go pick the weeds with your hands and the neighbors in the neighborhood. Like, it's it's really weird. Um, so I always say the third thing because I'm still emotional from not having my other two kids. I'm still emotional from being disrespected at work. I'm still emotional for this, this, and this. And it's like, I like, yeah, you deserve. All right, give me a phone for an hour. And even then, that's whack. That's corny. Like, I, I hate that. Ah. But even then, you like I can go overboard, right? I can go overboard if I had a bad day at work. I can go overboard at work if I had a bad day with the kids or finances or what have you. So it's important to know where you are with that. And our, our current setup of grief, of getting through uh, hardships, of getting through just hard times, um, is a little bit backwards to me. I'm starting to realize, like... And I'm saying this loosely. I'm starting to realize when people say we were given this way to think, like all of us as a as a race, as a uh, ethnicity, as a group, um, everybody was given, not just us, everybody was given a way to act as a whole with no individuality. I realized, one, that's why the world is the way that it is, um, because we all were taught this in groups, and we feel like if we go outside of that group and be that one person that's like, hey, some of that stuff, all right, I understand, it's cool, it works, but a lot of it, it don't belong, and so I want to go over here, because I want to go, you know, I want to piece as much as I can together to make my experiences better than what they keep telling me my experience my experiences should be, right? And that's where uh, accountability jumps in, right? I keep saying, like, that's one of my most important things. I didn't have that skill younger, five, no, no, 10. About 10 years ago, I'm, I'm arguing with you to the death. I don't care what I did. I care about everything you did, and that's it, 10 years ago. After that, it's like, I don't, I don't give a damn what you did. I care about what I allowed you to do to me and then stayed around you because that's what I understood as the right thing to do, right? And so having those things pulled apart, it evens the playing field for me. 
It evens the playing field because you know what you attack and you know what armor to use, you know uh, what weapon to use, you know the approach you have to take. Like you have the whole schematics of that particular thing. But I can't handle everything the same way. It's one thing that I, that I've learned, if nothing else, nobody cares that you are grieving because they don't understand how you grieve. I used to think that that was a disrespect towards the person grieving. And it's not. If people love you enough, they'll figure out how you like how you're grieving through conversations. Um They'll find out by observation, like, all right, he's not handling this well. These are people who really care about you and really uh, know your man, your mannerisms, how you communicate with them and other people and know you enough to identify a change in you. Right. There was a moment this week. Where. I was given the opportunity to be who I say I am. If you've been following this podcast or listen to this podcast, you know that is the one of the most important things to me in my life at this stage is to be who I say that I am. Like irregardless to to what's going on. I've lost a lot of situations because I allowed myself to rise to the uh, energy for energy and the outcome of that affected me. I'm not going I'm not one of them that's going to act super tough with y'all or tough in general and and act like, you know, everything that I tried worked and I felt good after. Because I didn't. Right? I did the get your lick back. I did the the tip for tat. I did the rising to whatever the energy is right now. Um because I was weak, right? They didn't make me weak. I was weak because I kept saying I, 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 I was this way. And I kept saying it's this, it's that, it's this, it's that. But I wasn't taking the steps to be prepared for this and that. And so when I was faced with these issues and these disrespects and these altercations and these disagreements, instead of me being who I said that I was in, in, in silence and in secret, I rose to it and I identified myself as to not be that. And a lot of people, like we're human, like these are secrets that we probably don't say out loud. But for me, I, I, I felt bad after, right? Like I thought I was tough with my ex. That devastated my life. There's times on a job that I thought that, that yeah, you deserved a, a response, but I, I'm tough, right? So I got to say certain things to you. And then it backfired, even though I was right, but how I said it, it is over. Right? These are moments that I that I yearn for because I want to be better. Like I, I want to be better in my grieving, in my depression and anxiety, but I want to be a better human. Every day I want to be a better human. Every day. And so by doing it, by, by, by putting that out in, in, in the universe, I gotta be that. And I have to understand what I'm asking of myself, but what I'm asking of the universe, like, yo, I want to like, this is who I believe that I am. 
I really, my heart of hearts, right? And I keep telling y'all, um, hey, when y'all, when, 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 when y'all um, listen to the podcast, you know, you hear something or you feel a way, you know, let me know. Like, let, let me, let me, uh, or DM me. You know, I used to, I used to say that every episode. Then I'm like, I'm talking to my brother and well, before, before I wasn't getting but one, two, two DMs like of, of conversations and I'm talking to my brother and he's like, yo, people like it might be too private. I might, that might be too much pressure right there. It might it, it might be too much for for them to actually be DMing. So you have to find another way to 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 offer, you know, communication and, and stuff like that. And and the reality of it is, I feel him because when I when I was in my very beginning of of grief, I didn't want to talk to nobody. And and to be honest with you, a lot of times now. A lot of times now it's difficult for me to talk to people who haven't experienced what I've experienced because I want to be I want to be able to just talk. I don't want to have to guide you to where I am emotionally just to get to a, the playing field where now we can have a conversation because that's doing more harm than it is good. And so my goal with what I'm doing with this podcast is, is genuinely to help. I tell people, hit me up, call me, whatever, whatever the situation is. And it happened. And I was surprised because of who the person was, but I was surprised that they that they would reach out and they reached out. And as I'm talking to to this person. I felt my emotions raising up. I felt my eyes begin to well up because she had lost somebody. She had lost someone very close to her. And in her mind, it's like, how do I how do I rationalize this? And so she hit me like, yo, I know I said what I said, but I didn't mean to bring up nothing with you. I had no idea. I said, no, no, no. I said, this is what I do. Like, this is like outside of outside of this nine to five. This is my purpose and my passion. So holler at me. Like, what is it? And I was able to to speak with her. Very, it was a very emotional phone call. But I was, I was able to remove my, let me not say remove. I was able to calm my grief enough to understand someone needed someone to understand. And I told y'all, it's not about me and losing Kennedy and what I'm going through with Imani and the depression and the anxiety. I, I, it's not just that. It's me being able to hold that in, process it, and through experience, help guide someone. I could have told her it's going to be all right. I could have told her that. I yo, like everybody told me, yo, in time, you will be all right. What? All right, cool. 
It'll be okay. You, 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 you still feel like that? It'll be okay. You'll be all right. And that, that put me at a disadvantage. It put me at a disadvantage. So when given the opportunity, I'm like, I'm not going to do that. I'm, I am not going to tell this lady it's going to be okay. I'm not going to tell this lady it's going to be all right. What I'm going to tell this lady is the truth. This shit is never going to be all right. It never is. I don't know why people. I don't know why people say that. It 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 it's never okay, right? Like this thing is missing. This person is missing. I will never see them again. I will never get a connection again. I will never, you know, be able to smell their cologne perfume. I will never taste their cooking. I'll never be able to do father daughter drop offs. Never like. It's so much that will forever haunt you about losing people. I get it. People die every single day. I understand that. I am not asking the world to care. I'm not. I get it. We all go through what we what we need to go through. What I'm asking though, and what I'm what I am setting by example is just being there, being available. There are people who are going through grief and pain and hurt and and, and and mental health diseases, disorders and and their mind is telling them that they're alone. Their mind is telling them nobody is going through what you've gone through. Their mind is telling them you are now considered as being disabled. The world has no value for you. They're not going to listen to you. Is something wrong with your mind? But I'm here to say I know all of those things, but I'm right here. In that moment, so many things start flashing as I'm talking to this to, to this lady about her particular situation. And then I'm realizing Yo, this is what you do, right? As a protector, remember first quarter of, of, the, of the podcast existence, it was just identifying what, like, like, not really understanding you are doing the thing that is meant for you to do. This whole time I'm talking on a podcast for my grief to let y'all know that you're not alone. But in reality, it's much more. It's much more than me doing this podcast. It's much more than me doing the poetry. It's much more than me doing Hill Avenue. Like I'm really giving all of me. And it's not for the sake of return. It's because I don't want no one in the world to feel how I feel alone. I can't stop the pain, but I can. Hey, listen, let's be in pain together. Let's try to understand. Let's like maybe my pain and how I got through it or what my pain is about. Maybe you went through it already and you can help. Maybe you going through it right now and your your steps that you're taking can help me or vice versa. That's the point of me like, yo, if you going through it, I get it. Everybody don't want to broadcast it. Everybody like uh, uh, like 
I've had the thought like, man, if people know that I'm fighting depression, anxiety, I'll never get a healthy relationship. If people find out I'm going through this mental stuff, you know, I'll, I'll never be able to get a, uh, get another job or keep the job that I have. If people know that I'm going through this mental stuff, they won't support the, the ideas that I have. They won't, they won't support the bit. I go through that every single day. I go through it every single day of, am I doing myself a disservice by broadcasting I am fighting a mental health disease? It hinders me from doing, you know, from making sales because we got to keep the lights on. So I have peacefully flawed. But then my mind circles back. Like, are you using this? Are you using your daughter's death to to do da 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 da? And it's like that hinders me. So I don't promote a lot. I go months sometimes without without doing anything. But the reality of it is, no. I'm bringing awareness. I'm using my daughter's death to bring awareness, not just to uh, stillborns, not just to stillborn parents, but overall. I know I'm telling you right now, it hurts extremely bad every day. But right now, all I have is this podcast as the the thing that's that stands with me while I'm hurt so I can listen to the podcast and feel like all right all right we there until another human being attaches themselves until another human being says outwardly I listen to the podcast the podcast helps me or the podcast don't help whatever until another human being starts Acknowledging the podcast, I'm just going to acknowledge the podcast for me with the goal of continuing to build connections with people so they know they're not alone. I am not look. I'm not looking for a religious style following at all. I'm looking for uh, just for lack of other words right now, I'm looking for co-leaders like co-leaders in their families, possibly in their communities, however you want to, however you lead so that we can be shoulder to shoulder. It's not like it's not about standing on each other's shoulder. For me, it's about being shoulder to shoulder and us all climbing up. Right. And so I got that opportunity to either because this could have went two ways. And this is what I mean. I could have got on a call with her and as she's telling me about, you know, her father passing, I could immediately be like, well, Kennedy passed and Kennedy and Kennedy and like, and just boom, boom, boom. But I sat back and I listened. I sat back and I'm like, all right, I know how cool you are or how cool you were with, with your father. And so in real time, I'm processing how I felt with losing my ex-father-in-law, with losing Kennedy. I'm pulling all I'm pulling on that because it pulls at me. So I have the right to pull back. And I gave her a response from experience. Not you should, you should, you should, this what I did. This is this is what I did. 
This is how I had to, to, to get through it. I waited till she gave me her understanding of how she felt before I went in on some craziness. I know a lot of people look for the it's going to be okay. But it's not. And people don't realize how harmful it is to tell someone it's going to be okay. Like, I know we think that that's a small phrase. Uh, It's it's being cordial. It's being respectful. We got to stop doing that. Especially in the heat of it. When my uh, when my father in law passed, right, I had to suck it all up, anyways. Before you know, my wife at the time and my uh, and my three kids at the two, three. Was it two or three? It was three. And my three kids at the time, right? So I had it. One, I had to hold it together to make sure that um, she didn't go crazy. She did, but. I tried. Secondly, the kids at that young age didn't get as uh, uh, affected as as much. Like I tried to make sure that um, I tried to make sure that I could allow them to hold on as long as they could to their papa, memory wise, until because they already rationalized that. Um, we didn't live in the same state, right? We had already moved. We had already moved to Arizona at this time. So that's four people that I had to worry about before myself and my connection to, to him. Everyone said, I need you to be strong to make sure that she's okay. I need you to be, because this is her biological father. I get it. Trust you got to be strong. You know, the kids, because my kids loved their papa. They loved him, right? So I, 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 was, I was cognizant of that. And so people kept saying it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. But for who? I haven't, even got, I haven't even gotten to the point, at this time, I hadn't even gotten to the point of being able to realize, like, like I was me, him, he and I were, was very close. I haven't even got to the point of realizing I he gone for real, for real. It wasn't until I cut his hair and lined him up while he was like there cold at the morgue, shaved his mustache, whatever. I never done nothing like that, but like so when I tell you I was I was close. With him. That's how close I was that I went in there and I did that for my guy. Because he didn't like nobody touching his hair. He didn't know he, he hated like he hated people. If if his person wasn't there to cut his hair, like he like it just it just wasn't. And I knew that. So it was an honor to be asked to do it, but that's because that's how close I was. So when when I tell you having to be strong for four other people without thinking about yourself is difficult. So when people say you okay, I'm not okay. 
Kennedy passed. And people were like, it's going to be okay. You're going to be all right. I got to worry about Kennedy's mother. I got to worry about the four boys. I got to worry about whenever I see Imani again, how do I tell her she had a sister if only if only for well actually it was no time so but how do i how do i tell imani she had a sister in the event that that situation get itself so again that's dealing with death worried about kennedy's mother uh junior twin king king bossy Imani, six people. And then worry about myself while everybody keeps saying it's going to be okay. It's all right. The world, like the world is the world. Everybody dies every single day, right? I have to deal with that. The problem with that is the people who are saying it is people who I deem trustworthy, people who I love, people who I know care about me, people who I know it's not telling me it's going to be okay for the sake of telling me it's going to be okay in my mind. I don't think that anybody on planet Earth who told me it's going to be okay when dealing with both my father and my daughter. I don't think any of them meant that in a way that was meant to hurt me. They have no idea until, well, they're about to if they listen to this podcast. I fought myself from feeling what I felt because those people said it would be okay. And the harder I said, well, such and such said it's going to be okay. The more I held on to what the family said, we're going to be all right. Versus me like feeling like I was ready to die myself. Physically sick. Can't sleep right. Then I sleep too much. Can't stop crying. Now I'm like I'm dehydrated, crazy, just crying, 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 just until nothing's left in me. And I'm fighting that. With they said it's going to be okay. And then that's when my mind start going. That's when. It turned into something way different. I start. The, the, the gloomy like. The the darkness of the depression was almost like. That black smoke and fires. And how rapid that smoke is before before it starts getting to clean smoke or whatever before it turns um, the white color. And once that darkness starts settling in, now I have to figure out where the hell did that that thing come from? Because I was just sitting here like, oh, they said it's going to be all right. I believe it's going to be all right. And my body is like, bro, this no, 
Like, you've never felt this before. What are you talking about? It's going to be all right. Like, figure this out. And because I'm battling myself and the people that I love and them telling me it's all right, I started losing my mind. The aggression changed, the rage changed, the, the love changed, the peace changed, uh, the, the idea of healthy relationships changed. I keep telling y'all about, you know, I'll be trying to make sure that I'm balanced properly, you know, chemically, try to eat what I'm supposed to eat and stuff like that. But some days that don't work. It just doesn't. I'm not, t- I'm not telling you it doesn't work overall. I'm telling you some days it doesn't work for me. And so knowing all of that, knowing that. Um, that dilemma that it causes, knowing that if you continue to fight with it's going to be okay versus you feeling like it's not okay right now. I don't care what it's going to be. Tell me something that's going to help me right now. And I'm fighting, fighting, fighting. I'm like, yo, as I'm studying more about depression and how the brain is affected and how it changes, as I'm studying the emotions that come with, uh, with, with being depressed, as I'm observing things, how other people have explained how depression has affected them, and it hit me. I can't keep letting people tell me it's going to be okay if, it, if I don't feel like it's okay. I have to feel like it's okay. And until I feel like it's okay, I'm a kick, scream, cry and scratch until it's out of my system. Because that is hindering me from getting to my new normal because I trust you. I love you. You have expressed that you love me. You have expressed that we are the closest of friends or that we're, we are more than associates. So when you tell me I'm going to be okay and I believe in it and then I'm going through it and now I'm in this, I'm, I'm, I'm in this conundrum of, are you trying to sabotage me or what? Why you said that? Why you told me it was going to be okay if it wasn't? Because it's not Okay. And so I took all of that. I know y'all see, look, I'm getting better. I know y'all think I lost my my spot, but watch this. I took all of that that I felt that I went through that moment of of that darkness setting in on me. And I told the lady, hey, it's not going to be okay." I said, what's about to happen is you're going to fight yourself to act like it's going to be okay to save face for yourself. You're going to go to work every single day. You might even start doing overtime. You're going to try to keep yourself as busy as you possibly can, believing that it's going to be okay. And the longer that you do that, the harder it is that your new normal is going to hit you. I said, and if you are like me, it's going to alter your mental in a way that you're not going to be able to understand nor deal with. For a long while, if you keep thinking that you're okay right now. I said the most important thing that you can do right now is allow yourself to spiral. Trust yourself that you are mentally sane enough not to spiral in a way that will be detrimental to your own life, but spiral. Because you have to get to that new normal. You have to. It'll never change at this point. Whatever happened, it happened. But you holding on to like, listen, 
me holding on how I did, it, it, it intensified the depression and it activated, like it put the anxiety on Super Saiyan to this day, every single night since Kennedy has passed and every single night that I kept believing that it would be okay and it wasn't and it finally hit me. Every single day I sit up and I think about death. Anxiety rushes through my mind. That is the last thing that it doesn't matter if I'm watching cartoons. Like I've I've went as as much as to turning on happy things because I fall asleep with the TV on. Falling asleep on things that that make me happy, that make me laugh, thinking like, all right, in the event that I fall asleep, my subconscious is hearing cartoons and stuff. But right before I fall asleep, it doesn't it it doesn't matter what it is. It never fails. It's man, I can't lose another kid. It's man, like I I, I don't want to die like this. It's thinking about different ways that I possibly could die. Thinking about you know how the kids gonna know who to call. Is somebody gonna cheat? Uh, uh, somebody gonna try to cheat Imani out of her share of the life insurance. Can I trust that, you know, my baby mothers could uh, calm down enough to make sure that these kids know where each other is, you know, until they get older? Because I get it. They don't want to deal with each other. I, it is what it is. But these are things that come to my mind every day. And I feel like they come to my mind like this so hard because I spent so much time believing that it would be okay. And don't get me wrong. I am okay to a certain extent. But at what cost? We have to start allowing people to get to their new normal and them initiate the I'm okay for what it is, because for me now, I'm a, I'm all right for what it is. I still, like, every single day in regards to Kennedy, it's still, that emotion, that pain is still every single day. And I feel like it's going to be every single day until the, until the boys move out. Because it's intense every day, because I do stuff with the kids every day. So every single day, I feel Imanity. Uh, Imanity. I, every single day I feel Imani and Kennedy missing because every single day the boys are here. I have to do school stuff. I have to sign papers. I have to do athletics. I got to do ER visits. I got I to hear them argue. I got to fix their boo-boos, fix their owies. I got to yell at them. I got to take the phone. I got to do all that every single day. So every single day I miss my daughters. It hurts every single day. That is a trigger that will never change until I feel like the kids move away and then or move out. And even then when they move out now, I'm going to miss everybody as a whole. I could deal with that a little bit better. I could deal with that because now it's not like I'm I'm doing stuff with y'all. I'm taking y'all to the movies or going to your games or or doing the conferences and stuff like that. But I, I'm not. I don't have an opportunity to do that for Kenny. Uh, I don't have an opportunity to do that for what I've already missed in Imani's life. And then I never will have the opportunity with Kennedy. And so we have to, as just people in general, family members, friends, like whoever listens to this podcast, uh, you should send someone this podcast. You should, you really should. Um, and even if it's you, if you're the one that like 
if you're the one that's continuously saying it's going to be all right, try to, you know, try to understand how it how it feels when it it's not all right for real. And a lot of us because you said it's all right, when we around you, we act like it's all right. Because that's how much we love you as the person who has told us this. But behind closed doors is we're in shambles. And so because that intensified my depression, it, it, it put the anxiety on Super Saiyan. Um, I'm like, I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to tell you it's going to be all right. I want you to get to your new normal because then that is when you will you will start to. Um, you will start to realize if you are all right or not. And you will communicate in that way. So for me, because I fought against it so hard, I ended up on medicine for depression I have these days where, like, it's just dark. I believe that if I was able to get to my new normal before hearing the cordial, it's going to be okay and stuff like that, it would have been a little bit better. And then also, you know, people, people want to be there for you how they want to be there. Not how you need them to be there. And because you don't know how you need them to be there, you're going to accept whatever they give. And you're going to hold that because in that moment that like in that grieving moment of, of death, especially if it's siblings, parents, kids, spouses, you accept anything to feel better. You don't know your mind is so weak, your heart broken, your emotions are everywhere. So the slightest sound of okay, you'll accept it. But then you'll keep holding on to that and you will start hiding your grief. You will start hiding your pain. And knowing all that, I'm like, no, I'm like, no, it's, no, it's not going to be okay. I don't, I don't know if it's going to be okay. The reality of it is, and I mean this with all due respect, it is a high level or a high percentage of people that are no longer alive because it wasn't okay. I know it's cordial. I know um, it sounds like the right thing to do. For me, in those situations, I choose now to go back to what my favorite, favorite thing is that I say when it comes to this mental health stuff. Feel what you feel. Be honest what you feel. If you don't want to be that person, like for me, I'm, I'm not the person that's going to ruin your day, Right? So when I feel how I feel, the people who are my sounding board, hey, I'm not feeling it. I'll hit you up when I'm feeling it. Like I'll like there's there's unwritten rules 
with the people who are my sounding board and who are close to me and who really know what I'm going through mentally. There's rules. There's unwritten rules. You see what I'm saying? When I'm going through it so that I don't, like, I don't, when they, how are you doing? And I'm like, I know how I'm feeling and it's not the best. I don't even give them that opportunity to allow me to ruin their day with whatever I'm, whatever I'm going through. We have conversations that about what I'm going through, you know, several times about different subjects and situations or whatever. But it's just certain times that I know that no matter how how much fun is there, I know that my response is going to kill it. And so for me, it's like, no, I would rather tell my sounding board, hey, feeling away, um, trying to get through it, yada, yada, whatever. And the unwritten rule is, all right, bet. We don't need full conversations. Let somebody know you alive. That's it. They've started to understand like some days like, hey, I'm not feeling it. I'm good. I'm not feeling it, though. I don't know what this I don't I don't know what this is. And until I figure out what this particular darkness is, I'm chilling. Because it's not your responsibility. I don't want to put it on you and have you have you wild and I don't want to put it on you and, you know, you joke about it. And right now I'm fragile and I, I don't have the capacity to joke and I take it seriously. Now I'm tripping. Like, are we really friends? Because you just joked on me and I, I wasn't ready to joke. Like, no. So my thing is, feel what you feel. Hell, I you feeling what you feel might help me. But me telling you it's going to be okay, it's a lie. It's never going to be okay. The intensity is going to be different. Right now, I'm not every day with, with my father-in-law. I'm not every day with the thought. I'm not every day. It's certain things that, that absolutely have to happen um, for it to be a trigger for me. It's certain things that him and I used to have conversations about. It's certain things that I've watched him do, um, like fix cars, get cars, whatever. Like he's a big uh, uh, car auction guy and stuff like that. So it's certain things that I'll be watching on TV and it'll it'll hit something. And I'll be like, man, that's crazy. I really can't believe. Um, I really can't believe he's not here. Right. And I'll deal with it. I don't I don't care where I'm at, what I'm doing. I'm dealing with whatever the emotion is. I think that's one of the biggest issues in mental health is they don't want you to feel it wherever it is. Like it has to like just like with everything else, it has to be the right place and right time for you to feel this. No, I could be. It don't matter where I'm at. I was about to say something super inappropriate, but I'll stop. So. Be happy for me. It doesn't matter where I'm at. If it hits me, I'm going to sit in it and fight it. Because I look at traumas and triggers. I look at it as like really squaring up with somebody. Like I look at those situations like I'm really in my head, you know, boom, I'm, I'm really scrapping with this stuff. Because that's for me, for me mentally, that's the only way that I'll be able to process getting through it. Like I, I, I have to make it a um, 
something visual that I'm that that I'm into. Um, and so I, I see it as, as actually fighting with these traumas and fighting with these triggers. And so when I'm dealing with whatever, I'm, I'm in there and I'm left, right, I'm dodging, I'm moving, I'm, I'm sticking. I am, uh, I am saying the opposite of what my mind is telling me. Some people would say that's talking to myself. And now I kind of don't think people be talking to themselves like that on some, on some different personalities. Like now I feel like that's how they process the dark thoughts in their head. And they like, yo, I don't really feel like this for real, my guy. Like you, like you making me crazy a little bit. And so I fight that stuff. I fight it. I allow myself to be emotional. I'm, I allow myself to understand that I it was it's not your choice whether people live or die. You got to be able to deal with it. You got to be hurt. Like it's been almost if, if it's been 10 years. I I'm still here. I'm physically okay. So so if that's what everybody meant when they said you're going to be okay, all right, cool, that was right. But mentally and emotionally, I'm, I've never been the same. I don't want people to have to keep going so far down the line before they realize and before they, they understand that it's never going to be okay. It's never going to be okay. I'll, I, I'll say it to I'm blue. And it's never going to be okay. When you lose someone you love, parent, kid, sibling, spouse, grandparent, it's never going to be okay. It's not, it, it, I don't know how to, I don't even, I don't even know why it's, it's, it's so hard for us as a human as a human race to understand that none of us are okay for real after we we've experienced death that's a lie that we tell tell ourselves because we're still alive that's a lie that we tell ourselves because physically we're still going to work physically there are still things that we do that bring us joy and stuff like that but it's very rare that you'll find somebody who has experienced death, uh, death in close form that is okay for real. That is like really on some, I, I could do this. Like even as I'm talking to you, even as I'm doing these sessions with different people, It is the fact that I am not okay that allows me to be okay. Because I found my new normal hella late. It took me to, to lose my mind a little bit. Took a lot of darkness, a lot of dark times, a lot of me, you know, believing and hoping and having faith and like, bruh. Y'all know I keep it a buck on here for like maybe six months, right? Because I grew up in the church. 
And everybody's like, oh, you don't hurt the babies, yada, yada, whatever. You know, that's the most, in my opinion, being raised in church, the children was the most protected thing in the Bible to an extent besides the baby that was about to get cut in half and the first book. Okay, I want to take that back. I want to take that back. No, I'll stand on that. Besides those two situations, um, there's the instructions towards how you protect kids or handle kids, yada, yada, whatever. It's a lot, right? And so for me, for like six months, I'm going to be honest. I know you're, you're about to be like, all right, bro, wildin'. For like six months, my mind really was like, all right. It's it's gonna be a miracle. One day I'm gonna wake up and she gonna she gonna be there. And Kennedy gonna be there alive. That's how far in grief that I was battling against it's gonna be okay. And what I really felt, and it created this illusion that a miracle baby was going to reappear while I was asleep. I'm pausing on purpose so you guys could understand how deep the grief goes. Because I'm an adult and I know that death is the end. But the grief was so heavy that my mind really, and I mean for real, for real. Like I'm just walking around my crib like, all right, not today, tomorrow then. Tomorrow come, all right, not today, tomorrow then. Like I was wilding. That's how bad the grief, like the grief was, the, 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 it's so bad that it's, 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 I won't even go sit in a certain room in my house because that's the room that I, like, I'm so trying to get out of this house, right? There's a room in this house that I would not go to because that I was working in that particular room when the doctor called and said, Hey, Mr. Howard, um, just want to let you know that we tried and uh, we don't know, you know, what's going on, but um, your baby didn't make it. I remember that call. I remember flying across where I need to fly across to. I remember... Looking in my baby mama eyes and seeing her be devastated and high on drugs. Um, when they rode her, when they rode Kennedy's deceased body in the little cooling, the little cooling bassinet. Like, I remember all that. You cannot tell me I'm going to be okay from that. I never will. The only visual, the only. In in reality and pictures I have of my daughter is in death. Don't know what her eye color was. Uh, don't know what her gums look like. Don't even know honestly. Don't even know what her full body looked like because she's she's wrapped up and you know you know it's trauma. I got pictures up there I think, but I, I think it's like of her feet and her hands and stuff like that. I'm never going to be okay, And I'm okay with that because my new normal is what it is. 
but I'm tired of us people who have to grieve, uh, who, who are, are, yeah, who have to grieve. We are putting ourselves at a disadvantage by not understanding that it's not going to be okay. And that could, like me, that could be the thing that pushes you over into the full mental breakdown. I don't think it's necessarily the thing. It's the false hope after the thing. And as my. As my grief. Went on the trajectory that it did. And as I'm fighting and going through trying to figure out ways to just completely get out of this. I start realizing that the first step of of grieving is allowing the person to grieve. I'm sorry, y'all. My stomach is growling. So if y'all hear that, my bad. I got up early because I got stuff to do today. It's my birthday weekend. I want to believe and I wanted to believe that it'll be better or it'll be okay, or it'll be yada yada. I don't, I don't know. So bad to where I didn't, I didn't believe who I, I didn't believe who I was and what I was saying. I didn't believe that I could be going through this yet again. You know, losing people because it, it, it listen, a auntie, a cousin. One of my close friends, sister, people at work that I was like that I've known for years. They was all dropping like flies. Everybody. For a two year period, it was like literally every other month, somebody that I knew personally and had close had close relationships with like every other month, sometimes twice a month was just Dropping like flies. And even with that, I was like, nothing was going to happen to the kids. And then Kennedy passed. Then my cousin passed. My uncle passed. And I truly haven't had time to process nor heal nor think about nor like the the idea of healing like I haven't had an opportunity to do so and so imagine how many times somebody has said you're gonna be all right and then once you believe it another death happened and it keeps going like, oh, you're going to be all right. You know, that's crazy. Think about the good times and this, that, and the other. It's just like, that's, that's the point. I never got a chance to make good times with Kennedy. I'll never get a chance to, like, I'll never get a chance to make good times. So why would you tell me that it's going to be okay? You don't know how my mind processes this. You don't know how I, how I already felt before it is. We gotta take we 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 gotta be careful how we deal with people. 
We got to stop trying to deal with people from solely our own outlook. We got to be able to listen to people. It's something about me that like I cannot do business with or deal with people who haven't experienced what I'm coming to them for. I'm all for education. I understand the, the need for, for, for therapy. I understand the need for education um, in this nation and in this world. I get it. I get it. But if you are studying something that you never experienced, you're, you're, you're doing yourself a, a disservice, honestly. Because you're not going off your experience. You're going off of what someone's telling you to think. Someone's telling you, hey, when you get clients or or patients or people that have this issue right here, this is what you say to them. Ten people could go through the same ten things and hear ten different things from one statement. Because it's a general statement. It's not geared towards what I'm going through for real. It's, it's, it's not geared towards the root. The response is more geared towards the overall. And so it's important for us to make sure we are doing the right thing in telling people the truth. Like I'm I'm, I'm like silence is my thing. Like when I don't when I don't I don't understand what your emotions are, I don't understand, you know, like what you're going through silence is my thing because two things are going to happen either I'm going to or three things I'm going to be able to observe and understand you're going to tell me and I'm going to be able to listen and understand or you're not going to talk to me at all because you know I'm not going to understand Sometimes people get offended by that. Like, why you didn't tell me? Because you don't understand for real. It's not your, it's not your area of expertise. Sometimes the best thing you could do with somebody who's grieving, just sit there. They'll talk if they're ready to talk. Sometimes your presence is enough to get somebody through a couple hours a day of just, all right, somebody's here. It don't always have to be deep conversations. It don't have to be, you know, oh, well, what I do when I'm this or what I, it don't have to be that. Sometimes your close friends just want you to be the same person. Like, I don't want you to, I don't, I don't want you to not be you because I'm going through it. I'm actually allowing myself to be around you because I need some normalcy while I grieve. I complain a lot about um, how Mac is and how DW is and how they're just straight. Like I can say whatever. Like they'll shut up, put some dirt on it. Like I, I told I told that to uh, the to Tati and DW and them yesterday. Like he just that's just who he is. I complain a lot about that. 
I complain a lot about how Mac is just straightforward and um, he'll, he checks on me in his own way. But more so, it's like, all right, bro, shut up. A lot of days I need that because I'm going through it and I'm about to lose my fucking mind. And it's those moments that are the moments of, all right, you don't, you're not looking at me like I'm a loser. You're not looking at me like, all right, he got mental health issues, he tripping. You're not looking at me as some type of victim. You're not looking at me as some type of uh, 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 wimpy puppy, right? Those moments let me know, like, all right, like, bro, we get it. Something wrong with you, for real. We get it. Shut up. Cause you don't you, you don't even really need to be talking for real. Like just just be you. Cause 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 we're gonna be us. And it took me a, it, it it always takes me a second to to see that and especially Mac being the way he has been since it since we introduced ourselves to each other. He's just always been that way. But I appreciate it more now. I appreciate DW. Like I, I, y'all know, like I always big him up. I appreciate that because some days, like even though I'll be going through it, the the normalcy of them, like, hey, bro, all right, it allows me to get up some days. It allows me some days. I'd be like, all right, man, I, I, I'm probably tripping. Not because they told me to chill, but because they treated me how they treat me in general. <laughs> they're not walking on eggshells. They're not trying to find words. They're not trying. They're not t- definitely not telling me it's going to be OK. And so with all of that and conversations with my brother. I realize the key of grief is to allow yourself to spiral. For me, allow yourself to spiral. Like we laugh, like one of the funniest things to me is that in Thor, him being a god and, and, and everything, right? And then when he felt defeated, like he went, started eating his ice cream, um, got fat, whatever, like. But then when he was ready, they they kept calling him, like, we need you for this. We need he's like, nah, bro, I'm not like I'm chilling, fam. I'm over here fat. I'm over here eating my ice cream. I'm just whatever. I'm spiraling. Whatever. But then when he got to his new normal, everything changed. Now he can have better conversations. Now he can get back to what he was doing prior to the devastation or whatever the situation is. And I look at that and that's how life be. Like you got to allow people to have that moment. You can't, you, if they're not trying to hurt themselves or they don't give you an indication that that's a thing. You got to let them spiral. You can't put a time on that. You can't, you don't know, you don't know how close they were to that person. You don't know how they view that particular thing. You can't tell them to hurry up. Whether it's six months, a year, whether they're completely derailed. If you are a true loved one, as long as they're not altering the relationship and and having you 
uh, again, try to walk on eggshells, you got to let them, you got to let it be. But you got to still be who you are to them. Because for me, it's certain times that I'll, I'll tell them, hey, I don't like that. They still going to be like, shut up. But for later on, like I noticed that everyone now that I communicate with in regards to my mental health, right? There is a drastic difference now. Because there was a time that, all right, cool, you're not even trying to understand, get your ass away from me, and now I'm isolated. But the isolation start turning into complete isolation from everybody that, like, even people, they ain't do nothing for real. Because I needed that time to figure out where my space was without people telling me where it was. I needed to go in the middle of the desert and find my way back to my space without any help. So that I know that I know I got there. So now when I'm dealing with whatever, I got back to this point and now I can deal with it. um, Even though it's still highly emotional. There is some clarity now in. If people ask me questions, there's some clarity now if a conversation needs to happen about how I feel about grief or yada, yada, whatever. I'm, I'm telling you, all this played into my mind while I'm talking to this lady and I'm hurting and I'm feeling and I'm bringing back all this stuff. And I wanted to hang up with this lady and then I'm reminded. Months ago. I said something in the group chat and my guy Sammy was like, do you feel like this is your purpose? And when he said that, it changed my way of seeing how I see me and what I'm doing. It changed everything. I'm sorry, y'all. Alexa just started going off. I don't know why. What's going on? She updating or saying something. Alexa legit start telling me something about depression. Like I don't like I'm confused what happened. I'm sorry. Alexa, stop. That really made me lose where I was going. Oh, but like so when I'm talking to them, they don't change they don't change who they are to me. But now they, the conversations are different. The understanding, like now that I've, now that I have uh, clearly explained how I feel, the conversation is different. Like I noticed, I, I noticed the terms are different. Wording is different. Um, and to me, that's not walking on eggshells. That's them understanding that certain things are affecting me. And um, in order for us to have healthy conversation, then these are the things that have to happen. Because, again, depression doesn't, I don't know your name. I don't know my connection to you. If, 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 a, 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 if a, a spurt of darkness is going to hit, it's not going to be like, all right, I'm going to wait until you you gone because you're the sibling or you're the parent or you're the kid. What? And so, so 
knowing that I'm like, all right, bet I see a I see a much healthier way that I could tell someone. And of course, I don't ever. I, first of all, like I, I pray that I'm that I stay away from any more, uh, any more immediate grief for a long while. I know it's like a, it's going to be, but for a long while. Um, but in the event that I'm I'm having to deal with someone, I'm not going to just be like it's never going to be better. Like it's not one of those. Oh, grumpy grandpa type things. It's more so, hey, let me know when you feel okay. Let me know when you like when you feel like you want to have a conversation. Cause I think that's what that that's what it is. It's like for me, nobody really nobody really showed outwardly that was close to me. That they were affected by me losing my baby. My brother, to this day, when we have certain conversations, certain things comes up, he reminds me, like, hey, don't, like, don't try me. Like, because my, my brother's very much so, my, like, for me, like my father. And also my best friend. So he has three different hats that he has to to deal with when it when it comes to me. And he knows how I am about my kids. And we'll be in certain conversations and stuff like that. And he'll say something. And I appreciate this so much. And I haven't said it to him, but I appreciate this so much. He'll say something. And in his mind. He'll realize, like, the situation with Kennedy. And he'll say, bro, I don't ever want you to think that I don't think about Kennedy for myself and for you. And it touches my heart every time because I'm not, like, that's my brother. Like, I know anybody could do anything or say anything or do anything to hurt you. But I don't think like that. When he's telling me about, um, when he's telling me about his kids or things things he's accomplishing um, for his kids or just him having fun with his kids, right? I'm not thinking, you're only telling me you're having fun with your kids because... You trying to hurt my feelings because you know, you know, I don't have, I, I don't, I don't think like that. But it, 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 it touches my heart every time because he don't have to do that reminder. But he does it because he know that I feel like it's nobody, like, like is this not a serious thing to people? Like we lost a piece of the family. Like, we lost a piece of the family. And so, because he knows, like, I go through that in my mind. And I feel like, like, people don't really get it. And so, he always says, like, bro, don't ever, don't ever think. Don't ever think I don't, I don't think about her. And it helps me keep pushing. And it helps me feel like, all right. Even though he hasn't experienced it. 
He's experiencing it through me. And because his love for me is what it, what it is, he's going to hold on to that as long as he can for me. My brother don't play about my kids. Like you would like, I'll ask my kids 10 times, yo, if something ever happened to me, what y'all going to do? And it's always, we don't call it up. Like, what are you talking about? It's not a conversation that I have with them. It's not a conversation that me and my brother have with each other. Like, on some, if something ever happened to me, you better come get my kids. That's just how close my brother is with my kids. My brother is very much the, 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 the human being of the family that He's not going to question, like if my kids pop up on his doorstep, he's not even going to question what you're doing here. Yeah, I'm like, all right, like we got to figure out where y'all going to sleep and stuff, but come on. That little statement every time it gets me. Because I got to deal with it every day. And I hurt every single day. I hurt. And I try to rationalize in my mind like, what did I do to deserve this? Like, what did any of us do to deserve losing a kid? To deserve losing a parent? I know everybody has to expire. I know everybody has to... Like, everybody has an ending. I get it. But it's just something difficult to deal with when people tell you it's going to be okay, and it's not. And so you fight that. And so for me, I don't, nah, I'm not fighting yet. I don't even, I don't even have the lay of the land. I don't even know how I'm going to feel. Even today, like, my birthday is tomorrow. I'll be 40. And it bothers me because I am aging and my daughter is not. And when my birthday hits, it's closer to the day of her death. I'm not okay. I will never be okay. Christmas will never be the same. And I wish people would have said that. I know I'm an adult. I know. But when I'm in the midst of grieving and, and I'm listening to people who I love. See, they get to go through their day. And they don't have to think about it if they don't want to. And people don't understand that. So when you, when 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 you are calling your friend or you're checking on your friend and maybe they're they they've experienced death or they're in a grieving process right now from something two three four or five years ago, don't talk to them in a way that it's like matter of factly like uh you still tripping off that. Because yeah. Something that I wanted. See, y'all don't even y'all don't even realize the way that everything happened was so 
freaking ridiculous. And I'm like, I want a daughter that I that I could raise. I want a daughter that can see me without any interruption. And I had to come to grips with how everything happened for her to even be. But once I did, I'm like, well, that's that's my baby. And if you know me, I, I wanted all girls. And went four for four with boys right out the bat. So this was this was bigger. It's bigger than anything for me. People are like, oh, you're going to be okay. So, nah. I'm not telling people that. I want to believe it. But it's not true. It's not even close to true. I want to deal with it in a healthy way. And that's what I'm doing. Whenever I feel darkness, I open up the blinds. Whenever I like, unless like it's one of them nightmare type situations, and I can't wake myself up. But wherever I feel darkness, I try to. I, I tell y'all to be the light. I tell myself to be the light. I got one. I got like eight, nine, ten lights on right now. Allow myself. To spiral. I purposely allow everything to flow through me until it was done to come out. The guilt, the aggression, the rage, the hurt, the tears. I allowed everything to do what it needed to do. Every moment that it needed to do, and I'm going to continue to allow it to do what it needs to do from now into the future. I've settled on my new normal. But now I have to go through the grieving process of accepting the new normal. I'm slowly, because I'm allowing myself to feel how I feel, because I'm allowing it just to flow out, just to flow out of me. I'm on a podcast talking about what I need to talk about, um, you know, just trying to live in my purpose. And each day, it's a, it's a fight. But slowly but surely, I'm starting to have dreams again. That was a that was one of the biggest differences for me um, when I knew that something was off. I, I was having nights where there was no dreams whatsoever, just straight darkness, just straight waking up with no memory of anything. And I'm like, I'm in my imagination is crazy for both creative things, sexual things, and cooking things. So for me not to have dreams or nightmares for the amount of time that I did 
was very scary for me. Very scary. And that's why I realized I'm still holding on to stuff. I'm still thinking that it's going to be okay. I'm still thinking that, you know, well, everybody feels like this. I'm still, I'm still trying to use the everybody logic and it's not working for me. So I got to let, I got to let it go. Like, I have to accept that for me, it's not a, like I said, I'll be 40 tomorrow. Well, by the time y'all see this, it'll be yesterday. So I'll be 40 this weekend. And recovering from what I am, having dreams more frequently For me, it solidifies that my process for me is working. No more delayed frustration, delayed hurt, delayed pain. No more, all right, it's okay. No more, oh, it wasn't that bad. No more of that. Not for me, at least. My emotional stress immediately turns into physical stress. If you've been following the podcast long enough, you know I got a heart. Uh, I got a heart condition. That shit came from stress. Came from a defect that wasn't handled properly as a child, and the physicality of what stress is bringing my body just took it over. And so I got to live with that paranoia that if I go overboard, if I get too stressed, the heart disease that I have uh, for people who are new to this podcast is called HCM. I'm not even going to try to um, tell you what HCM means. You can look it up yourself. Just type in HCM um, heart issue, whatever. But the way the cardiologist said it to me was, hey, you know that that heart disease where the basketball players randomly are fainting and going into a coma and then dying? I was like, yeah, because at the time, um, somebody like it had literally just happened to somebody um, maybe a few months before um, this visit that I have with the cardiologist. And he's like, you you know that? And I was like, yeah, such and such just passed away, young kid, da 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 He's like, you got that. And so I've stressed over that since that day. Something happened with my breathing. I've been having respiratory issues my entire life. I, like it's it's a, it's just been a thing, right? That's worse. Like for three years straight, it was HCM. Um, I don't even remember what the lung the lung thing was called. Uh, I just know that it. It hardens the mucus around the lungs to like a scab type consistency. 
which affects my breathing from time to time. The third year, they told me I had an a autoimmune muscle disorder or disease. And then in all three of these instances, these are not curable things. They're all manageable things. And that's for three years straight. So 2000. 15, 16, 17, all this is happening. And then 2019, my daughter dies. But everybody keeps saying it was like, you're going to be okay. But they don't really know what you're dealing with for real. They don't really know the importance of what you are. Like I tell my kids all the time, like, like when they make decisions, like as a group, it be it all like it always goes left. They never think about it from each person's perspective, mannerisms, characteristics of what needs to be done. Always goes left. And so I tell them, you guys still need me as a leader. Forget everything else. Y'all still need me as a leader. I can tell by what y'all are doing and, and how things are transpiring in your life and what's going on. I could tell. And so having all these so-called diseases and ailments or whatever, um, but still fighting through them. Because I'm a G. I'm never giving up. There's so many times that, you know, my breathing could have affected me. So instead of me sitting on my ass and allow it to affect me my entire life, I just conditioned harder. I'm not going to hold you. Like, physically, the only thing that I could feel ailment-wise is the muscle disorder. That's a daily thing, and that is extremely painful. Like, my muscles be tender. It's crazy. Um... But mentally, I always think about that heart thing. Like anytime, like my heart skip a beat, anytime, like I get heartburn, like I just, I feel like uh, 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 Fred Sanford. It's the big one, Elizabeth, I'm coming to join you every time. Every time. And allow myself to feel it. And then I say, please, like, I can't die today. I start naming all the reasons why I'm important um, for myself, not in other people's lives, but why I'm important to me. You know, I, I, I get those thoughts that I'm um, ineffective in this area and that area, areas that I know that I'm very effective in. I'm like, I got to, again, I told you, it's like I'm fighting. It's like I'm boxing. So I got to, yeah, I know my mind is telling me that I'm not this, but look at that. If you guys understood how many things that came up against me that was supposed to kill me and I'm still standing, y'all be like, all right, I, I understand why bruh stays out the way. I understand why he, he don't talk to people. I understand why his point of view on, on life, because they all like people want to give you all of the good, not realizing that. In the long run, that's going to affect somebody in the, in the worst way. You have to give people reality. 
because of, depending on the level of how they interact with you and, and, and how much they love you, your simple phrases could tarnish them for the rest of their life. I now understand when people used to say, if you don't have nothing nice to say, don't say nothing at all. But it all it should go both ways. If you like, no, 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 don't tell me good right now. It's not the time for that. Don't tell me. Don't. No, no, no. I don't need. E I don't need it either way. Because what's going to happen is. I'm going to find my new normal and then now I'm going to know how to communicate it so we don't have to go through the it's going to be okay. I've already rationalized that it's not okay. I already rationalized that it won't be okay. I've already done that. And so having that, having that up front before you start dealing with people, before you put yourself in a position, because you, you'll be grieving and you'll be looking for a fight because somebody got to pay. And I'm so proud of myself because normally, like, I'm very, very aggressive when I'm um, in pain, when I'm emotional, I'm very, very aggressive. And I'm proud of me because I wasn't even, I wasn't even aggressive with myself. Like, I understood almost immediately the love that I needed to give me. Like holding, like, I just held her. Because I knew that was, like, when I left there, that was the last time that I would see my baby in in body form. Um, I didn't want to hold out. I didn't, I, I didn't want to you know do a funeral type thing so I just did you know cremation um but I just held her and I used that moment every day because that was that by far is is the pain, most painful day that I've ever experienced in my life like by far so I used that day to give me strength right I reconciled. My baby wasn't coming back. I'm not going to hold you. I almost fired on the funeral home because I wasn't like they cremated my baby. And they, get, they gave her to me in what looked like a fucking crown royal bag. And I remember looking and saying like, is that a crown royal bag? What the fuck? Like I was so mad. But that shit made me laugh so hard. Because I was about to knock old boy head off his shoulders because I thought he was trying me. But again, I'm in the middle of grieving. I don't, I don't like that moment was so schizophrenic for me because we had to sit down and do the papers, of course. Mind you, I'm, I'm not even from here where I'm at. I don't know nothing about nothing. So I'm having to figure out how to get here, get there, yada, yada, whatever. And so when my man like like did the paperwork, talked to them, they're like, all right, we we gonna come get her uh when you're ready, this, that, and the other. Um and then, you know, we come do the paperwork, whatever. So do the paperwork. 
And then my man, like, like he come out and I'm looking like, because in my mind, I'm just looking for a container. And my guy came out with a Crown Royal bag. Essentially, it's a it was a green velvet bag with gold tassel ropes. And I was so very confused. I don't, like, I never had done that before, but I just, in my mind, you trying me. And so I was like, all right, I'm tripping. I, I don't need to talk to anybody, um, good or bad. Because here this guy is trying to help me, I'm about to, and I'm about to rock his shit, thinking he's trying me, because I'm tripping. i never been here before. But everybody told me that it was going to be okay. It's, it's not okay. This is not okay. Why is my baby in a crown fucking royal bag? So I'm, I'm pulling from all of this as I'm going through this journey, as I'm realizing and having these pinpointed moments with my people um, that are concerned. I couldn't talk. I couldn't. I, I couldn't. Still, to still right now, it's very limited of people that I would talk to directly. I'm still not ready. I'm still searching for that moment of freedom. And because I don't know if it'll ever come, I'm still grinding. I'm still I'm still doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm still living in my purpose. I'm still out here. Hey, I'm at my new normal for now. Once I start reintroducing people back to to me as a human being and I and I don't mean social media I mean personally cuz right now personally I don't no leave me alone All I want to do is see my brother in real life cuz I haven't seen him in real life in a very long time Other than that like on some serious shit like I don't I'm not ready There's still things that I'm processing. There's still things that like I'm I'm recognizing. I'm like, all right, cool. This is how I got to step to that that situation. This is how I have to handle it. Handle this. I have to mentally prepare. Like, am I even ready for this? This is why I say you got to let the person spiral. We have to allow ourselves to spiral because we will keep putting ourselves in positions that we're not ready for. My entire view on the world changed when my daughter died. My mind was wired one way. For 36 and a half years. And then it changed December 24th, 2019. So essentially, I'm three. Wait, 19, 22, 22. Yeah, essentially, I'm three. Like, you know how they say, uh, uh, if, I knew, if I knew then what I know now, right? My rebirth was three years ago. 
I know now what I should know. And so I want to give that to people. I want to give them the, the, the opportunity to spiral, to be okay with spiraling to a, to a, a healthy extent. Right? You should, you're like, I trust myself. I trust myself. I know my spiraling is not going to be something that is going to challenge life or death. Right? My spiraling is maybe eating a bunch of candy, um, not exercising, um, watching a bunch of, of, of craziness. Like, that'll be my spiral. And then I'll get to a point to where I'll get, I'll get tired of it. And I'm just like, all right, this is what it is. This what this, this this is where we're at in life, and this is how we this is how we have to handle it. The reason why for me the spiraling is important because the harder I fight you, the harder I fight you, and your love towards me, because your love is not going to allow you to tell me. And this is in a lot of people, right? It's very few people that can console you and give you reality in a healthy way in real time. There's very few people that can do that. So of course, we go to the easiest thing, which is it's going to be okay. But the more I fight you, or the more I fight how I feel, and the more uh, uh, I allow the it's okay from people I love to win, the further I get from the point I'm trying to get to, which is recognizing my next step in life. Some people are more literal uh, as a result in our, our, like this is the, like for me, my kids are, emo, it's an emotional thing. So like I always say in certain situations, it has to be logic over emotion. Right now, I'm still emotion over logic as a result to my kids. So if I keep on feeling how I feel, but then I'm like, all right, well, such and such said, it's going to be all right. Even people that I know who've been, who've been through what I've been through, Right. Even if they tell me it's going to be all right. I have to look at who you are as a person. All right, that's why it's all right for you, because the situations and, and your upbringing and how you handle regular things, you were taught in a way different than me. So I see why you're able to handle it like that. I can see why I don't bother you for real like that. But for me, again, it go like and this is this is a me thing. Remember, I said we got to we got to dig ourselves out of allowing the thing to be our our identity. Y'all know me and how I feel about the kids. Like them kids that like. We Siamese. So losing another one of the pack is going to affect me different than somebody Who's been through the same thing but had different upbringing and maybe their way of parenting is not as emotional as mine. Maybe they're the strict parent or maybe they're the parent that, you know, they've been through so much that hardened them in their life that them losing one of their their uh, one of their kids, they're able to process it better. But you can't be mad at yourself for, for not being like that. For me, like I look at I look at DW 
and how he handles it, right? And of course, we don't talk about it every day. But when we talk about it, we talk about it. It's never a long type situation. He handles his different than mine. And I'm not offended by it. And he doesn't make me feel offended by it. We have our conversations and he gives his uh, uh, point or, or his statement or however you want to call it. And that's what it is. I don't feel like he's coming down on me for being emotional. In all honesty, I feel like when he does stuff like that, all right, now it inspires me to get to that point. Not how he got there, but to that point of being able to just be comfortable in the statement for what it is um, while knowing, yeah, this is this is difficult. Like, like that's my kid. But still being able to deliver empathy in a way that's not harsh or disrespectful. Again, I only talk about like directly. I only talk about this stuff with people who have experienced it. And through the many conversations that I've had, I noticed that it's an equal. It's an equal bucket of people who are drastically changed by it. And this in and, and, and I mean on the emotional side, like really can't process. And then there's an equal amount of people who have processed and are very strong, um, or appear to be very strong in how they maneuver through through life now. Right? The faster I start feeling what I feel. The, the the faster I'll get to the point to where, all right, this is the, the, the logics of the situation. I think also for me, um, because no one can tell me what happened for real. It wasn't like there was this list of things like, all right, this wrong, this wrong, this wrong. All right, that's what it is. It was just like, I don't, I don't know. And that's how a lot of us have to deal with that. But I want to I want to stay close right here because right here is where I belong. I don't want to keep edging on to the exit on the wrong stop. I tell you, all sometimes on your journey, something is going to get in your way that you are not going to be able to go around and calling somebody else and becoming a passenger on their journey is not the right thing to do. For me, I sit my ass right in front of that roadblock. Okay. I need to decimate this thing. How do I do it? Because if I keep going around it without completely destroying it, it's going to keep showing back up as I'm trying to get through my journey. One of the biggest things that for me is, I said earlier, I want to be who I say I am. So for me, that's when I get into an argument with you, am, am I responding in a way that's healthy for this conversation? Or am I responding in a way like I'm trying to hurt you? All of my responses are predicated on if I care about you being in my life or not. I didn't start thinking like that until after I lost someone that I really wanted. I wanted my baby. 
I don't care the situation. That was my baby. I want to make sure that we are not putting ourselves in harm's way by trusting everything but ourselves. You don't need what you don't need. And when you are going through something and you're so fragile and everything is so open and so vulnerable and, and, and you're accepting things so easily, those are the moments that you need to start off by yourself. Because even your closest friend could lead you astray trying to comfort you incorrectly. And we get further and further from what we're supposed to feel. That's why for me, it's important. Feel what you feel right freaking now. Because if you don't, you're going to allow yourself to keep processing to the darkest part of who you are. If you keep fighting against how you truly feel and what people are trying to tell you, even if it's positive, you're going to find that you are well past the healthy part of the darkness. If you are there, please do not pass go, do not collect $200. I want you to text or call the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. Text 988 or call 800-273-8255. Don't allow yourself to get that far. Feel what you feel so that you can go in for the help. You can be on the offense, or uh, you can be on the um, the the offense or offense, whatever. You know what you need help with. You know what you need the conversations um, to be about. You know your accountability of the situations that you're in. You understand all of that at the level you need to. I talk about I talked about a few weeks ago the, the parachute thing, and I want to I want to bring it back up. A beginner skydiver is so fresh with safety rules and procedures and protocols, right? Because they just studied it. They just had to, they, they like, because you got you to gotta study certain things. You got to put in it. You got to uh, put in a certain amount of practical hours, right? No matter how, no matter how good they did on the test, to get their skydiver's license, right? No matter how good they did, they don't know how good they understood those protocols and procedures until they are in the situation. They have no clue, right? Until you are, until you jump out of a plane and your chute tangles, you don't know how to get out of that for real. So a beginner is going to fight. A beginner is going to twist and turn and da 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 da. A, big, a beginner is going to do that, 
right? They're going to, they're, they're like, it's their first issue of life or death. And in life or death, a beginner is going to fight, 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 right? An experienced skydiver is going to allow themselves to spiral because they know in that spiral, they'll be able to look up and see the rhythm of the spin and they'll know what to do to allow it to flow and unravel. That's where we need to be as a result to grieving before we start letting people in. We are moving at a beginner's pace. We're moving in a way that creates more chaos than it does peace. If we continue in a fight, we continue to do this and continue to do that, like we're not even going to realize, all right, cut this shoot. My backup shooter is, is right there. Because you're a beginner. You don't really, you're not thinking about that shit. You're thinking about, oh, this is what I see right now. It goes back to what I keep. It's bigger than this moment. An experienced diver is going to be like, all right, I see it. Uh, all right, bet. Can't untangle it. Cut. We out of here. What it, immediate safety uh, protocols. It doesn't, it, I'll, I'll get that shoot wherever it falls. I'll find it if it's close enough. If it's not, all right, I just lost the shoot. But because they are sure in themselves, because they have went through that path of I'm going to figure this out first. And then now I'm going to go for the conversations, the uh, more education, the, addition, the, the additional education or additional certificates. That's how it is with grieving. Like when like. Being told it's going to be OK. Was the worst thing that anybody could have said to me in hindsight. Because my shoot been tangled ever since. When I realized that and I start processing the pain, I start allowing myself to, to spiral. I'm like, all right, bet. I got to I, I, I got to be harder on my accountability. I, I, I have to. The reason why I have to be hard on my accountability, because if I go into therapy and I haven't processed. I haven't processed my issues. I am going to allow that therapist. To come up with my accountability for me. Right, because when you go into therapy. The goal is to tell them what you what's going on in your life. They give you the roadblock or the roadmap to, to get through it. But how you give me like no matter how much truth you think you tell into your therapist, you're always lying. You're a human being. No matter how much you think you're telling your therapist the truth, there's 
you're all, it's always a lie in there. Always. So for me, it's like, all right, I have to approach it differently. Before I go to therapy, because I've been, I've been in, in mad therapy sessions where I'm saying something and I am, I am in a session and I haven't, deal with, I haven't dealt with the issue myself. And I feel like, all right, I'm going to bring it up in therapy, right? No accountability. No, you did this. I did that. No, like, like none of that. Just straight up, I'm going, I'm going to bring this up in therapy. And so what happens is your therapist outlines the issue and brings up different scenarios of said situation. So now you're processing your, because you was there. But because you think because you left off a piece that for whatever reason you don't want to say or for whatever reason you conveniently forget in the midst of that therapy, the therapist has to come up with whatever they come up with. And then now instead of you dealing with the problem, now you're dealing with the therapist, especially if they side with the other person in your scenario, because let's be honest. A lot of us go into therapy not looking for help. We just looking for somewhere to to complain and and it not get nowhere. Right? I learned that it's easier for me to reconcile my accountability so that I don't even let the therapist gaslight me. So when I go in there and I'm talking, I'm not even the therapist will bring up the other party. Because for me, it's important. For, hey, this is what I was in. This is how long I was in it. Um, I, don't, I don't I have no clue why I stayed for so long. But this is what was going on. This is how this is how I behaved, um, you know, yada, yada, whatever. I'm not going there like, well, she said this and she said that. No, 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 no. This is this is this is what I did, because if I give you all of me, if I give you all of my faults and I give you all of that, now you can help me for real. Because we're past the petty we're past the petty lies. We're past the, I feel disrespected. I need somebody on my side. We're past the, oh, that person hurt my feelings so much and I love them. Like, we're past all of that. Yeah, all that's cool. But I'm not, I'm, 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 I'm not going, I'm not going to you with not having zero steps for the day. I'm coming to you at least halfway, like at least halfway. And that half that I'm coming to you with is mine. It's my accountability of what I did or didn't do, what I allowed or didn't allow. The longer I fight the it's okay, the, the further I'm going to be away from getting help for real. I never knew how important this statement would be in my entire life. I am 40 years old and one of the most uh, uh potent statements that remains valuable in my life is from fucking G.I. Joe's knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe's been trying to teach us how to be accountable since we was kids with just that one statement because knowing is accountability because once you know something, you can't unknow it. You have to see it for what it is. And so it's important that we start stop looking at the TV and start looking into the mirror.
Social media doesn't have a solution for you. YouTube doesn't have a solution for you yet. Your parents, your friends, your, they don't have a solution for you yet. They have questions. They have ideas. They have plans from what you told them while not dealing with said issue. I don't need your help. Like, I'm not a child, right? I'm not running from the big bad wolf. In my grief, I was emotional. I was vulnerable. I allowed, uh, uh, I allowed people to to tell me it was okay. I believed people to, that it was okay, um, and it is okay physically. It's not okay emotionally, and it's not okay mentally. And those two things affect me to no end. Accountability for me is the most important thing on this journey to fight through this mental health issue. The longer I say this person did this, this person did that, this person said this, this person said that. Instead of saying. And then I left. And then I never spoke to them again. And then I punched them in a fucking face because they were disrespectful until I get to those points. Am I really looking for for therapy or am I looking for a friend that can't tell my secrets? Is me getting better mentally really important to me or is it me wanting to hear someone say everybody else is at fault? I'm not looking for you to create a different perspective. I'm looking for you to help me manage what I'm already on. Yeah, everything is two-sided. I don't care about the other side. I don't care what they did to get me here. I want to tell you what I did and how I handled certain things that got me here. Because as much as I can say such and such said, did, went here, did that, as much as I can say that, I can say I was there with them. I heard what they said to me and I still was like, all right, let's fuck. I heard the disrespect. All right, come on, let's go to dinner. I heard the disrespect. All right, now we're now we have kids together. See, we don't we don't want to talk about that. And because I'm in this space that I am mentally, I have to talk about it. I have to talk about the things that I allowed. I have to talk about um Staying, I have to talk about the aftermath of any type of abuse. Like that's why I be trying to tell. Like I don't when 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 people be talking about they stayed in relationships, I be shutting my mouth. I am not throwing rocks from this glass house. I'm just not. So when I'm in therapy, it ain't about what you did. I know what you did. I know how it made me feel. I care about how I made me feel. I care about my responses to put things in a position to where now I'm losing things. Now my life is altered because, you know, I held on to a certain thought or a certain person or a certain thing. And 
I allow that to to be the dominant emotion, the dominant thought, the dominant care for me. We can't do that. We can't do that. Yeah, hold people accountable for what they did to you and stuff like that. For me, holding people accountable is like, all right, then, like, I don't, we don't have to talk ever again. Like, we don't, like, we don't have to. It's not big for me. It's not, sometimes it's not an apology, and sometimes an apology could come, and I still feel the same. There's been a situation where I apologized for something, and I fully understood that my apology was not going to get that thing back. I understood that. But that came with accountability. A lot of people don't have that yet. Like anybody you're dealing with that that feels like they can do what they want to and then apologize and then it's okay and then you're supposed to just forget. Like they don't know. They haven't dealt with themselves as a result to accountability yet. You can't tell me how I'm supposed to feel. You can't tell me how I'm supposed to re- or react. I can't do that for you either. I have to... I, I have to be able to say it for myself. I have to be able to react how I want to react. It's always bigger than what we think it is. Every single thing we do, like I, I used to laugh at the movies, like when they used to have the the deep scenes where it'd be so simple and the older person would throw a pebble in, in, in a lake. And they'll tell the younger person on the child, you see that that one thing right there has the ability to change all trajectories in your life. You never know what that one thing is. So do you know how many ripples we have in life? Every step we take on a new journey, every step we take on the old journey, it creates a ripple. It creates uh, do this and that's going to happen in the future or do that and that's going to happen in the future. And a lot of times, We have no idea which one to do. They both look so good. They're both enticing. They're all enticing to go this way or that way. We never really know what the what the real thing is that we're supposed to do. We have no idea how it's going to affect us. I get on this podcast every week not knowing how my words are going to affect you, but I open it up for an opportunity to know how my words affect you, if any. I know how they affect me when I listen back. But I didn't know that until I allowed myself to fall as much as I needed to fall until I was like, okay, I'm done falling for now. I'm going to go ahead and cut this twisted shoot off and I'm going to use my safety shoot and everything is going to go as smooth as it possibly can until I get to the next portion of this spiral. We have to get to a point to where we're not telling each other how to feel. We have to to get to this point to where it's just a conversation. You don't have to lead all the time. Sometimes you can you can just listen. Like for me, sometimes a person really just sitting there and just being there without talking, without asking me of anything works. A lot of times it doesn't. Because I know like. I know when I say isolation, it sounds aggressive. It sounds like I'm trying to for real become a hermit 
and not deal with nobody. But the real reason is because my mind is fragile. And it always has been in the results of loving people and listening to them and trusting that they're giving me the best advice that they can give me. The reality of it is, is that some of the advice, though helpful to other people, isn't helpful for me because you the advice is, is talking to 35 year old Kevin, not 40 year old Kevin. Sometimes the advice is talking to uh, Kevin, who who has never experienced child loss. When it should be geared towards Kevin, who has experienced child loss. So it's difficult to deal with. So because my mind is that fragile, I pull back so that I am able to reconcile everything needed for me to reintroduce myself back into conversation with people. To reintroduce myself back into um, feeling comfortable. The paranoia not being like, because right now my paranoia is like, Listen, my paranoia is on a crazy level right now for nothing other than I've experienced death. And I got to fight that all the time. So knowing that and feeling that, I'm not telling nobody how to live. I'm not telling nobody how to grieve. I'm not saying you should do it the way that I've done it. I'm telling you that it is very important for you to allow yourself to spiral as long as you need to, to get to your new normal. Stop asking for help right now. Stop allowing people to come in your space and, and, and quote unquote comfort you with those type of words. Have understanding in yourself. Don't be down on yourself for feeling how you feel. For me, I look at people who are who are stronger than me. I'm not ashamed. I don't get down because they handle it better. They've been through something different than me. Don't allow yourself, like, don't attach your grief to nobody else. And what I mean by that. Once you start letting people get attached to what you're going through, they're going to they're going to put the time frame on it for you. And they're going to make you feel like a month, two months, that's way too long to be grieving. You should be chilling now. You should like it, it shouldn't even hurt that much no more. To avoid that. Reconcile what you need to reconcile with yourself. Get your understanding that you need to get for yourself. Put yourself in a better position of understanding so that even though you're hurting, you have understanding of why you're hurting. You understand what's actually happening to your body and your mind so that when you decide to go to therapy or speak to a friend for real or if you have a, a good inner circle, once you decide that you are able to have those conversations, you're not being bullied. You're able to stand on how you feel, even if it's different from the masses. You're able to stand on how you feel because you already dealt with the accountability of the situation. You already dealt with, you know, the confusion of it. Like, Because once you start understanding it, it it's not going to take away the pain, but it, it, it allows you an easier path to go through. 
You're going to lose a lot of people trying to figure this stuff out. It is okay. If you are a loving, humble uh, individual who has made true friendships and who has uh, made good impressions on the people that you come across, don't worry about who's not there right now. You don't even need them for real. Because they love you so much that they're going to keep telling you stuff that they think that's going to help you through and it's not going to help you. Just know when you are ready, as long as you're not disrespectful in the process, and this is for me, this is why I isolate. Because when I'm emotional going through stuff like this, I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth. I have no clue. So I isolate so I can deal with it because I don't want to take this out on nobody. None of y'all did nothing to my daughter. The kid, the boys didn't do nothing to Kennedy. Imani didn't do nothing to Kennedy. Their mama didn't do nothing to Kennedy. For whatever reason, she not here. And I have to understand that. And that's how I move through life with understanding the things that I have to that involve pain, that in, in, involve confusion, that involve anger. I got to understand it first. Because without understanding, I'm coming in on emotions and we like we some furniture about to get moving. And you don't even know you don't even understand what the problem is. But once I once I've, uh, I've come to an understanding now, I can say, hey, listen, I'm, I'm super sad, man. Like, I can't even control it. This darkness comes over me. Like when I hear babies crying, laughing, when I smell babies, when I see babies eating, like it, it frustrates me. I, like I have this jealousy towards people who are able to adopt and people who are able to uh, do surrogacy uh, because it's so expensive and I don't have the funds to do that. I feel like, you know, the government be on bullshit. Like you got to pay 120K to get a kid that's going to cost another 120K to raise. I had to understand. Maybe my time is up. So even though those things uh, affect me, crying babies, seeing, you know, seeing dad and daughters um, doing their thing, uh, seeing dads being able to watch their their daughters grow up uh, due to tea parties, the nail parties, the hair parties, all of that stuff, seeing all that still triggering. But I understand my baby gone. She's not coming back. Even though I, I wasn't like I wasn't done having kids internally. Internally, I wasn't done. I mean, I'm not clipped or anything like that, but right now I'm not actively I'm not in situation actively trying to nick cannon. Because for me, I want my baby like I wish there was a way that I could just have my baby, you know, like, like, I don't know if it, if, if, if it's, I don't know how the shit work. I just know that it's hella expensive and I may not ever get a chance to, to, to experience having, having another baby. I've reconciled with that. So now to get me, to help me get over or to help me try to just process because babies are everywhere. I don't skip I don't skip the baby videos so much no more. Every now and then when it's a when it's a video of a crying baby like on TikTok or whatever, every now and then I I let it play. I 
I never like I never skip videos where you know the father is 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 doing the tea parties or just chilling with their daughter. I never skip it. I never skip it as much as it hurt. I never skip it because I have to. I have to get to my normal right there. They didn't do nothing to me. Why am I? Why am I mad at their content? Why am I mad at their experience? Why am I mad that they do have the finances or the situation or the hookup or the connect to get their surrogate? Or to get their uh, uh, adopted child. And let's be clear. My want for more kids has nothing to do with my loss for kids. Like I, since I've been a child. My mind was like I own 10 of these jokers. But the reality of it is I got six. Rest in peace, Kennedy. I got six. I wish I had a better relationship with my with, with my daughter that's living. But even in that, I can't let people have control over me to the point to where it could kill me. That's what really I start rationalizing in my life. If I told you everything that's going on with me physically and you still went out of your way to harm me. I don't I don't I can't. So now I move differently. Difficult for me to get my emotions going on. It's logic. What do you provide to me? What do I provide to you? I'm cool with that. We don't have to have no emotion whatsoever. If you give me sex and I give you sex and that's what it is, that's what it is. If you give me food and I give you food and that's what it is, that's what it is. But I can't keep moving around knowing what I know and going through what I what I've gone through and keep telling people it's going to be OK. It's not. But you can be OK with that. We go through what we go through. To become what we are supposed to, the more we fight against ourselves and our experiences with what people think of us, say about us, or, or teach us, the further we're going to move from our point. And our point is light. And with so much darkness surrounding us, we got to shine. Yo, thank you for tuning in to the podcast. Head over to infinitelycomplex.com. Get you a copy of King's Collective. It's a book of poems. It is published by me and my company, Infinitely Complex Publishing. Please um, go get you a copy. Also, Second Power, my single to my uh, upcoming spoken word album, is available on my website. Again, www.infinitelycomplex.com. If you want to donate to the podcast, you can go to Good Pods. I have a tip jar on that app for you to donate. If you want to donate to the complex overall, go to my Twitter page um, at the complex. And there is a tip jar there um, for you to be able to donate. Otherwise, um, check out the apparel that we have, the shoes that we have as well. Um, Just know that we are in the process of uh, making Hill Avenue a much bigger production 
and uh, more frequently. So be on the lookout for that. Also, uh, Recite Night will be returning soon. I just have to uh, figure some tweaks out. So any way that you guys have been supporting me, whether it's been liking, commenting, or sharing, I'm appreciative of. I ask that you follow my uh, follow the complex on Twitter, on IG, on TikTok, and please, please, please subscribe to this channel. This channel will hold uh, Poetic Properties, Hill Avenue, and Recite Night, and whatever else. Um, that comes across content wise. So please, please, please subscribe to this YouTube channel. I'm grateful for everything that you guys have supported me and how you have supported me thus far. Um, remember that over here, we believe that no matter the darkness, we have the opportunity and ability to get to the light. Peace. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm.